0: Welcome to the EcDev Network. My name is Dan Taylor and I am a co-host with Bob and Lara and we are celebrating economic development week this week. I'm going to turn it over to Bob who's our main moderator and kick off the session. Thanks Bob.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it, Dan. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us here in the Economic economic Development Room. And as Dan said, we are celebrating International, I believe, Economic Development Week uh as i as uh as i go through this uh, i'm just going to set the room for those of you that haven't joined us before and we're certainly glad you're here with us now just keep in mind today's session is being recorded uh dan is amazing at re-leveraging uh what we say in here on a podcast format for those who who can't join us Uh, the theme today is we're going to talk about technology and tools in economic development and of course i'm sure that's why We've got an amazing guest speaker here and Steve, and of course we'd love hearing from the audience members as well. Um, so if you haven't already, make sure that you're taking a look at the stage and following our, our, our featured speaker today, Steve. He's got some really great knowledge on the subject that we're talking about today. As I said, my name is Bob Minhas. My co-host here is Dan Taylor and Laura Fritz. I help economic development teams build knowledge-based communities for their business. So for those of you in the audience, especially those that are new, if you want to join in the conversation or have a chat, you will need to join us on stage. On the bottom of this app, you'll see a little uh, hand icon over a notepad. If you press that, that indicates you want to raise your hand. And Lara and Dan or myself, uh, or even Steve actually, can bring you on stage to participate in the discussion. If you're hearing some really amazing things on the bottom, you'll also see a plus sign. So when you press that, that will allow you to invite some coworkers, some colleagues, some friends, Heck, even family, if you want to have some great conversation at night. Uh, so feel free to invite them to join in on the discussion, especially if it's asking questions of our, again, our featured speaker, uh, participator, Steve. Um, if uh, And if you do join us on stage, keep in mind that your mic does go live as soon as you jump on. So as soon as you jump on stage, be sure to hit that mute button so we're not uh, catching it eating potato chips or something. And uh, if you'd like, you can uh, indicate clapping or agreement by pressing your mic when you're on stage really fast and now if you are on stage if you do join us and you have a question if you press and hold your mic on and off alternatively slowly that indicates that you want to ask a question so those are sort of the little tips and tricks here on how to really enjoy the most out of this room we really really are excited to hear from steve today but of course any of you in the audience if you want to participate in the conversation or have a chat please feel free to raise your hand I think that about covers it, Dan and and Lara. Lara, do you mind if I throw it over to you to share a little bit about yourself and about Steve today? Laura. Uh, muted. Okay, so laura. laura
2: is- no okay. i'm so sorry i was trying to That's ping okay. people in <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> and, and it wouldn't get me out of the screen so my apologies i'm laura fritz i am a 25-year veteran of economic development having done everything from mainstream programs to large departments of economic development currently residing on the east coast of the united states and i am so excited to introduce my friend steve jast to the conversation. Steve is president and CEO of ROI, Return on Investment, um, but also heads up an artificial intelligence company that I'm hoping he'll share a little bit about today. And what I thought would be really fun is to have Steve share a little bit about Um, what he's seeing in terms of technology being used for lead generation. And so with that, I'd love to um, turn it to Dan to give a quick introduction, and then maybe we'll have Steve introduce himself. Dan?
0: Thanks, Lara, that was great. Um, Yeah, and uh, I'm a 35 year uh, veteran in marketing and economic development, uh, primarily in rural and small town communities. And I'm also a strategic advisor and guide to those in the economic development and tourism profession, finding a lot of uh, co-creation right now, helping people write briefs and strategic plans. So that's great. Um, I think we'll keep it at that for now. I'm Dan and I'm done speaking. And why don't we, uh, Bob, I'll let you decide
1: if you're going to hand it over to Steve. I'd love to. So, Steve, let's start with Laura, Laura's amazing First question there is, is tell us about what you see there in technology and economic development. Uh,
3: okay. <laughs> thanks so much, Bob and Lara and Dan. It really is wonderful to, to be with you here today, particularly given that it's Economic Development Week. So, thanks very much for, for the invite. So, um, as Lara alluded to, our companies focus really primarily on investment attraction and lead generation and, and all the technologies and services that surround those fields of discipline. And I think, you know, primarily, um, you know, from our perspective, the reasons why we got into technology in the first place was to deliver a better product to our clients. But as a secondary sort of benefit, we also wanted to measure how artificial intelligence could help us improve with our own efficiency and productivity uh, as a company. Uh, I guess, as you might imagine, in the world of investment attraction uh, and lead generation, there's really quite a small percentage of companies that are executing large projects or s- projects that can scale. Um, they might not always come from large companies, but what they do typically come from are growing companies. And so when we talk about growing companies and fast growth companies, high growth companies, some people call them gazelle growth companies, we're really talking about a very small subset of companies in any given economy, usually anywhere between 3 to 4% um, in terms of companies that have a combined annual growth rate of about 20% per year, doubling in size every five years. There's some other definitions for, for high growth companies, but typically these are the companies that hire the most net new employees in a given year, usually about 70% in any economy. They spend the most in terms of investment in capital, R&D, etc. So when you're looking on behalf of a client for these high-growth companies that can impact their communities from a job creation perspective, a capital investment perspective, they're hard to find. And once you do find them, they're very hard to engage with. So we wanted to see if artificial intelligence could start providing us with some signals uh, of companies that are about to enter into a high growth phase. Uh, so for us, there was a twofold advantage: um, a deliver better leads to our clients uh, in the form of companies that that could expand in a meaningful way, and and b you know help us use our time better by not reaching out to companies who likely really didn't have a good possibility, a high likelihood of converting into a meaningful lead. It typically takes, if you can believe it, around 42, uh, you know, attempts to get a meeting with a C-suite executive, a senior level manager. So this means that we usually need to reach out to somebody about six or so times before we get into contact with them, then we need to warm them up to the concept of discussing their potential expansion plans with us. Um, so this requires sending information back and forth, sending information about our clients, etc. So it's disappointing, you know, to put in that level of efforts to learn that the company really has no plans to expand. So this is really what led us, you know, down the path of artificial intelligence and really trying to find a technology that essentially takes tens and tens and tens of millions of data points, which any human being would find extremely difficult to get through in a reasonable amount of time, to say the least, and then generate some sort of sense, make some sense out of that and, and deliver a signal to you um, that can sort of help you become more efficient and better at what you do. So so that's a little bit about what our journey looked like into artificial intelligence and, and the Gazelle product. And as it relates to sort of what I'm seeing from a technology perspective, I think that from a lead generation and investment attraction perspective, um, we're seeing a lot more of the economic development community become far more comfortable with uh, social media marketing, digital marketing, SEO, SEM. I know that these concepts and these strategies and tactics have been around for quite some time, but I think really probably over the course of the past, maybe you know, five, six, seven years or so, are we seeing the sort of second-tier, third-tier economic developers really embracing these technologies? So when I say second, third-tier, and this doesn't mean in terms of level of effectiveness or importance, it really just means in, in terms of size and depth of budget, et cetera. You know, we saw the state organizations, the large departments of commerce, some of the larger regional development authorities you know leading the way in terms of their their online presence but now we're seeing folks at the county level at the city levels uh, getting a lot more involved you know out in the digital and and social spaces because really what you want to do as a marketer is be present you know where your potential clients are present and and we know that a lot of the world spends a lot of time in, in in the social space and in the digital space I think what we're also starting to see are a lot more economic development organizations again using some of the some of the traditional tools that that maybe took a little bit of time to adopt and customize to to our particular world. So we're seeing a lot more folks getting comfortable with CRM products uh, client relationship management tools whereby they can really pinpoint and be far more effective in, in connecting with companies that are showing a specific interest in investment in their communities through these different softwares. Uh, I think as part of a a CRM solution, there's also marketing automation platforms, which we're seeing more and more um, in the economic development world. And I would suggest that the marketing automation platforms are, are really, really important for economic developers, primarily because there's a fairly long sort of planning gestation period in between the time a company starts to consider an expansion project and the the time that a shovel goes into the ground. And it's very important for economic developers to understand, and I think that they very well do, that most companies are looking at various sites. It's quite rare that a company that's going to execute a cross-border, cross-state, cross-county, you know, expansion project with large capital investments will just look at one particular potential site so a company will enter into a discussion with an economic development professional and then they may disappear for a little while as they, as they look at some of the other options that are out there. And I think during this, this, this lull, if you will, it's very, very important that economic developers nurture their qualified leads. And by nurture, I mean keep your logo, keep your name, keep your value proposition under your leads, noses, if you will, on their computer screen. So you stay top of mind because it's a long process. And if we get discouraged or if we stop communicating with with leads that are top of funnel, thinking that they're stalled there, you know, somebody else is most certainly reaching out and talking to them. So maybe I'll stop here. You know, I could probably go on for the whole hour, but I don't know that... That you really want me to, so um, certainly uh, I'm happy to to continue on and give you some more of my observations. But I think that as a you know as an answer, I think artificial intelligence will start to play a bigger and bigger role in helping EDOs understand which kinds of industries and niche sectors are in growth mode, the companies that are in growth mode where there are growth clusters around the world of targeted companies and which signals are really truly indicative of growth i think that there's a lot of learning um, that that can take place in that space as well along with again crm marketing automation and being involved in social and digital spaces
1: thank you steve for some amazing amazing insights to share Uh, i just want to remind the audience if you have questions great time whether it's for steve or Dan or Lara or myself about technology and economic development. Uh, great time to ask it. But if you just like to continue listening, that's fine. I always come peppered with questions. So I got it there. Um, not seeing any questions. I think I'll go on to my, my second question for you, Stephen. Actually, I'd love to throw this out to, to Steve, Dan, and Lara. Um, that's a, I hope it's not too controversial, but you know, I imagine that when you're bringing in a new idea of innovation or technology into let's say a more rural environment, you sometimes have to deal with leaders that are maybe uncomfortable. So the FBDO professional may have to report, obviously report to the CAO or, or someone else. And how do you have those discussions about moving forward innovatively with technology uh, in a municipality that might not be, I don't want to say progressive, but may not be as comfortable with moving forward. And actually, Steve, before I throw it to you, I'm going to actually throw this one to Dan, because I know that he has had to deal with this in two different communities. Uh, And then I'd love to ask you, Steve, if you've had this experience as well.
0: Thanks, Bob. Yeah, I think that's a really good question. So there's maybe a couple of angles here. Ultimately, I guess the question is, what is the goal of the community? So if the goal of the community is to seek out the most efficient and effective way to find your targets, to approach and work with your targets, and then ultimately to engage in conversations and and ideally land at your targets. I, I think that's where I would try and focus the discussion. So the tools, whether they be advanced or, or, or not, I'd like to think are almost secondary. So I think if you could put the focus on what it is that we're trying to achieve. And then by the way, um, there's these new newer different tools out there uh that um either they may be unproven they may be in the middle of being proven or they may be proven but maybe newer and not as comfortable to the community then then i think um if there's resistance to that then you could su- suggest or query well what what would you suggest we use cuz you know we don't have any alternatives so I'm Dan. I'm done speaking. I'll leave it at that for now. I'm happy to jump in some more if, if required.
1: Thank you, Dan. And Laura, in your experience, you know, when you're trying to bring in or position technology into a perhaps more rural community, are there best practices or steps you've taken to really help them adopt and integrate what you're bringing for?
2: Well, you know, the challenge for smaller rural communities is the cost of technology can become quite a heavy burden to bear. Um, Salesforce is not inexpensive, Steve's tool, while amazing, is not inexpensive. Um, And so the ability to partner, to utilize tools that are out there that maybe your community can't afford becomes really critical. Um, So working with your your regional economic development organization or your state economic development organization that may have those tools could be an outstanding way to capture it. For example, I worked in a a relatively mid-sized community many years ago and um, we couldn't afford a tool called CoStar and CoStar is like the multiple listing service for commercial real estate. And yet it has this amazing analytic behind it that helps to understand you know, absorption rates and what product is out in the market and how many dollars per square foot is, you know, commercial real estate right now. All really important to the work we do. And so I went to our county economic development office and said, you know, do you have this tool? And they said, yes. I said, great. Can you run me these 15 reports that I need? <laughs> um, and they were, of course, really accommodating as a partner. And so, you know, I think it's important to not think about, you know, do I have to have all these tools in my toolbox, but where can I build in the partnerships to get access to the tools?
1: Really great, thank you, Lara. Steve, can I throw it to you? I, I, I know that you probably deal more, perhaps the sales side, but when you have a deal, we love your stuff. How do we position it? What's been
3: your experiences? I think you need uh, well, great question. Thanks, Bob. I, I think you need to be honest with the folks that you're you're selling the platform to. And and Lara right. A lot of these tools uh, can be uh, expensive, particularly if you're a smaller rural economic development organization. Uh, you know, we try. We don't. You know, we try and accommodate. Uh, and this is not a, a Gazelle AI infomercial, but I think a lot of the software. Um, uh, tools that are out there that were designed specifically for economic development organizations, I think a lot of us have built our pricing on a sliding scale model such that the smaller communities, you know,
1: could... uh, Steve, I think we lost Steve for a moment there. Okay. Laura, I'm sure if you could... uh,
2: Yeah, Yeah, I'll ping him right now.
1: Okay. Oh, and it's showing me is a bit choppy as well. Hopefully the audience Oh, hi, Steve. Are you back? Oh, hi. Yeah, okay.
3: That's
1: okay.
3: Should we take two? (laughs) Did I disappear there for a second? A little bit, yeah, unfortunately. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, Okay. I didn't realize that. Okay, am I back now? Yes. Perfect. (laughs) Okay. So my answer, I've been talking for the past two minutes to myself, I guess, but I'm happy to to repeat. Uh, Basically, yeah. Of, of being honest. You
1: were talking about you know being honest and being straightforward. And then...
3: Yeah, I, th- I think that when you're selling this kind of a product that you need to be very honest with the folks that you're selling it to and that this kind of a product, uh, any kind of these technology software products require somebody who's going to put in the time to use it and learn how to get the most out of it and and learn how to generate value from this kind of a product because it is a fairly large investment for a smaller economic development organization.
4: And so if there isn't
3: really somebody dedicated to research, somebody dedicated to business development, somebody who is going to go into the platform on a daily basis, then then I would 100% agree with Lara. Then this is probably a tool that's better suited in that particular case to a, a regional group, a regional alliance, where the, the platform can be shared amongst a number of resources, or perhaps there is a resource there dedicated to sales. So, you know, I think most companies in this space don't want to churn clients and, and they don't want, you know, to, to sell a product that ultimately won't get used. So we need to be honest and explain typically the level of effort required to come up to speed at a, at a certain and come up to a competency level where you'll be able to drive revenue. Um, but, you know, for rural organizations that maybe have. Uh, you know, the kind of budget whereby they they can buy these kinds of platforms, I would say that the pain points for a a small rural organization um, are very much the same as as, uh, larger groups. You know, everybody wants to provide uh, product. Uh, Everybody wants to generate success. Everybody is resource, um, you know, affected by a lack of resources to one extent or another resource challenged, I would say. I would say. So a lot of these tools really built to become more efficient and productive uh, and to help organizations that are, are resource challenged. So it can help, but it has to be used. Uh, and I also think that, just as a quick aside, a lot of the folks in the technology space who have developed product specifically for the economic development community, I think a, a lot of us have tried our very best to build pricing on, on sort of a sliding scale such that smaller organizations, you know, can access the platform at a lower cost. But still, with that being said, um, you know, whether you're buying it for, uh, you know, $1 or $10, you need to have the dedicated resource, the dedicated function, the commitment um, to use the product on a regular basis, uh, you know, or obviously it, it's not a good buy. And and, um, and I likely recommend, as Lauren noted, that you, you try and maybe take a second look at it through the uh, the regional alliance that you may be part of or also for that matter um, there's a lot of, of economic development centers within a lot of the universities around the country um, a lot of the utilities that are serving you know the jurisdictions that some of our listeners may be in may have a, a license to some of these platforms so there's other ways to get access if, if you yourself you know can't afford it thank you that's definitely helpful, Dan. Did you want to contribute to the conversation?
0: Yeah, I wanted to ha- uh, ask a question. I I think I'm somewhat familiar, but I I, I think for our audience it would be great. Um, you know, with respect with respect to Gazelle AI and the forty two touch points required to get a conversation, could you maybe share either a real or a, or, a, or a made up example of? what would the journey be like if I was an economic development person uh, and we decided to engage the service? What would like a an end-to-end uh, where either we got those meetings or ideally those meetings turned into an investment? I don't know if that's a somewhat easy question. Yeah, sure. yeah, but that'd be great.
3: Thank you. Yeah, sure. Okay. Well, maybe what I can try and do and, um, is, is build a picture of what lead generation and investment attraction look like before AI and after AI, and, and, and we can talk a little bit about some of those differences. I think before artificial intelligence, um, most folks in, in our world in investment attraction and lead generation um, would look to find uh, where there are clusters of companies just from strictly uh, a numbers basis. We would look to try and see um, what trade shows companies that we're targeting were attending uh, and we would like to try and visit the cities where there's large clusters of companies that we're looking to uh, get in touch with and try and attract to our jurisdiction. Um, what, what data and what software tools have allowed us to do is to hyper-target and hyper-target companies based on their capacity to grow um, and, and look at where they're growing and also look at some of the pain points in the jurisdictions that they're growing in. So let me give you an example of that. If we're targeting um, companies from any jurisdiction, uh, from any industry really, and we use software that shows us where the greatest percentage of average salaries is growing or increasing um, in a given jurisdiction that has the highest concentration of these targeted companies, we can then find these companies and we can compare, um, we can compare salary growth in our jurisdiction versus where we're targeting. And if the increase in salary is much more significant where we're targeting, well, that could lead us to a number of assumptions. It could lead us to believe that there is a lack of supply to meet demand. And in the same way as the economy in general works, when there's not enough supply to meet demand, prices go up. So. If a company is in a jurisdiction with increasing salaries, they may be having trouble recruiting people. Um, They're also likely suffering from eroding margins because they're in a part of the country with the highest levels of salary increase. So from strictly a value proposition benchmark perspective, if we know that our our, our average salary increases on an annual basis are lower. Um, if we have more available workforce then not only are we calling up an organization and pitching them a jurisdiction saying hey why don't you come look at us over here we can now really try and approach this from an account marketing perspective and say you know we know that you're in a part of the world where salaries are increasing rapidly so either you're having trouble finding people or your bottom line is eroding and if you're in growth mode which artificial intelligence can tell you, well, that's now you know a double threat as it relates to your value proposition. So we know you're in growth mode. We know you're having trouble finding people. We know your margins are eroding. Now you've got the person with who you're communicating's attention. There's a value proposition there. There's a, a, a value, an immediate value to you wanting to introduce them to the jurisdiction that you're presenting to. Or that you're working on to have of, I should say. So, what artificial intelligence allows you to do is really build clusters and identify companies in growth mode in in regions around the world based on specific economic indicators that allow you to present your value proposition very early in the discussion. So, as a part, you know, otherwise, what we were doing is just sending clients to trade shows, meeting with companies. Hopefully they had an expansion plan. Hopefully their expansion plan included, you know, a part of the U.S. where our, our clients were coming from, or anywhere in the world for that matter. And so it was really just a lot less targeted, a lot less qualified. And when the leads are less qualified, um, of course it, it's it's not as good a spend of time for your client, the economic development professional. Um, there's a level of frustration because you know you're, you're dedicating time to prepare for a meeting with a company that really has no growth plans as much as you try and vet them in advance so i would say dan that that's really the main difference Um, it's processing lots of information very quickly that allows for more hyper targeting generating much more valuable marketing qualified leads mqls um, that then hopefully convert to sales qualified leads when your client actually meets with them and at the end of the day of course it's generating more leads because we're able to speak the language of a business person, business people, you know, they're interested in growing their top line and growing their bottom line. And if you can't illustrate that quickly, then you've, you've lost the battle before it began. So this is really where, where AI and, and different technology has, has allowed us to, to advance from, from those perspectives.
1: Thank you, Steve, for that insight. And Dan, that was a that was a really great question. I loved it. Uh, I just want to take a moment and reset the room. We've had some new folks join us, which is wonderful. So welcome everybody. Uh, my name is Bob Minhas. I'm co-hosting this room today with Dan Taylor and Laura Fritz. And our featured speaker, Steve, uh, Steve, <laughs> Steve. I don't know my la- Your last name, Steve. Steve
3: Jast, J-A-S-T, yeah.
1: Sorry, that's the word. No problem. (laughs) Um, Today we're talking about um, technology and tools and economic development. This is part of the Economic Development, International Economic Development Week. So we're looking forward to celebrating with calls all week. Now, for those that aren't familiar, we are recording this session. That Dan is a great master of repurposing this content into a podcast for those that missed it. So just keep that in mind. Uh, If this is your first time here and you want to join in and have a question, we'd love to hear from you for those in the audience. On the very bottom of the screen, you'll see a hand sign with a notepad. If you press that, that indicates that you want to speak, and Lara, myself, Dan, or even Steve can click on it to bring you on stage. Now, when you do join us on stage, keep in mind your mic will be hot or live, so you want to hit mute as soon as you jump on stage so that we can throw it towards you. Finding this topic super interesting. uh, On the very bottom, you'll see a plus sign, That'll allow you to invite any colleagues or coworkers or friends or even family who you think would would love to learn from this discussion or even participate in it. The more, the merrier, for sure. Once you jump on the stage with your question, just make sure that you get accustomed to saying your name and you're done speaking when you're done sharing. So, for example, my name is Bob and I'm done speaking. Allows other speakers on the stage to know when to pop in, uh, and it acts as a pretty good accessibility tool as well for those using certain tools to. To participate with us um if you do join us on stage and you hear something you really love keep in mind that pressing the mic on and off really quick represents clapping so if you really want to engage and and give some love to our speakers that's what uh what you can do and I just want to end off reminding you that Steve is a, an amazing thought leader in the space today. So be sure to check out his bio, be sure to follow him. I'm I'm sure he's participating in other clubhouse rooms as well. So you want to make sure you're able to to keep in pace on and what he's doing. So that's all I wanted to do to reset the room. Lara, did you want to uh, jump, jump in?
2: So I actually do have a question and you know, Steve, I'm going to throw this to you. Um, you know, I'm curious as to how, each community differentiates themselves in terms of the utilization of technology. You know, I think there's a lot of belief in economic development circles that, you know, when we acquire subscription databases to help generate leads, that these leads are sort of being recycled to various communities across the country, and they're not really custom-tailored for my community how do you how do you address that as part of you know talking about the technology that you've developed
3: uh, sure yeah um, so we we run two companies here uh, the first one is ROI research on investment um, now helping identify companies in growth mode on behalf of our clients and for companies that are paying for us to exclusively identify, opportunities for them and schedule meetings on their behalf. There is a period of exclusivity whereby we will not schedule that same company under the same project for another client. As it relates to Gazelle, um, you know, the, the thinking behind Gazelle is such that no economic development organization should depend on a lead generation company such as ROI. Um, for the majority of their leads. We, we, we've always felt that way, that we really should act as, as a, as a complement to the ongoing lead generation and investment attraction efforts that are ongoing inside of any one of our our clients' uh, strategies, inside of their, you know, h- how they're gonna run their operation, whether that's by separating out their business development team by industry, by geographic region, etc. Et so Gazelle is a tool that we built to to help the the business development teams uh, inside of our our clients, generate better leads, and to overcome some of the challenges that we had at ROI, which was, you know, to focus those 42 tries, uh, at least on companies that we thought had a possibility to expand. I'm sorry, I'm I'm fighting off a sneeze right now, and I'm doing my best (laughs) to not sneeze while I'm talking here on Clubhouse. Um, I'm going to take a quick sip of water.
1: No worries, we all, we all.
3: Okay, I think I effectively fought it off. I was told not to look up at light bulbs when you feel the need to sneeze, or if you want to expedite one, to look at lights. In any case. I digress. So, um, so Larry, to answer your question, uh, Gazelle really—you know—we don't promise any kind of exclusivity uh, through Gazelle. Given that the expectation is, or that the leads that will be generated through the platform are going to be generated by the end users, uh, the folks that are working inside of the economic development organizations um, that are subscribers. Now, there is a function inside of Gazelle whereby we do list companies that we find to be in expansion mode. And um, at, at this point, what we do is we highlight where the company's headquarters are. We highlight where the company is looking to expand to on a regional basis uh, the kind of project that they have. And then it's up to the economic development organization to reach out to those companies, uh, that are listed in Gazelle and, and interest them through their value proposition, through their own outreach strategies, uh, to have a meeting with them. And ultimately the, the companies are the, the final arbiters of which regions, um, that they feel to be of most interest and and who to meet with. So that's a little bit how we sort of deal with and manage the the question of exclusivity, both within ROI and Gazelle.
1: Thank you, Steve. That's super helpful as well. Uh, I wanted to open it again up to the audience. Does anybody have any questions about technology, or about AI and economic development? I think Steve's doing an amazing job at really laying it all out there, which I love. It's great. It's
2: really been helpful. Steve, where do you think AI is going to go for economic development? Where do you sort of see the the next evolution?
3: That's a great question. Um, you know, I, I was beginning to wonder if ever somebody might try and take a stab at building some AI, you know, functionality for companies who are entering into a, a site selection decision and and have, you know, algorithms based on the criteria that a, a user might put in, suggest, you know, specific areas um, based on different potential of those jurisdictions. Um, you know, a- AI can be expensive to develop, so I wonder if there would be a large enough sort of addressable market to to spend the money to do that. Um, but I think that that's one area that could be Uh, interesting. We're looking at developing scores uh, for not only just growth, but also the potential for international trade, uh, the potential for reshoring. Uh, We're also looking to develop scores based on, you know, which jurisdictions, not a particular site per se, but which jurisdictions may be best to um, be the host of an individual company's Next expansion, given the existing footprint of operations that that company has around the world, given the industry that they're operating in and different data points that, that we would look at uh, to use. So those are some of the areas of A. Oh, I think we lost Steve again.
2: Yeah, it looks like he had a glitch again.
1: <laughs> it's okay, I'm sure he'll be back any second. Thomas, is on the stage. Uh, I'd love to open the floor to you, Thomas. Did you have uh, something you wanted to add to the conversation?
3: Excuse yes. Me. Hi. Oh, did I? Did yes. I? Uh, am I Steve, we're here we to listen to you. <laughs> Continue. Okay. <laughs> so I, I think that one other it would be international trade where we could highlight to end users where again, there are growth clusters uh, around the world in particular industries and perhaps show where there is clustered leakage and lack of buyers for given products locally around the world inside of specific industries by better analyzing the buy and selling ecosystem on a global basis for different industries around the world. So I think those are some exciting applications specific to economic development.
1: Thank you, Steve. I appreciate that. Uh, Thomas, again, thanks for joining us on stage. Did you want to ask a question or contribute? conversation.
5: Well, thank you for the invitation. Uh, My name is uh, Thomas Nilsson, I'm a faculty member at Olds College in Alberta. In my past career, I worked in economic development in the capacity of doing uh, research, so I'm actually a past user of some of uh, Steve's products and some of his uh, competitors' products. Which uh, brings me to a uh, question for Steve, actually. Uh, You talked about the the benefits of using a tool such as uh, uh, Gazelle. Could you talk a little bit also about the the value of having accurate information and present that to the business development team? Uh, To give an example, Steve, uh, we used your tool a lot to do a lot of quality verification uh, because the records that you presented that your company provided was very accurate and, and the need for having that and providing the right information to decision makers was key so would you mind elaborating on that on that a little bit thank you.
3: <laughs> hi Thomas it's great to hear from you we've not spoken in a while it's wonderful to meet up with you here on Clubhouse I didn't recognize you because you have your mask on in your profile shots uh, or I would have said you know hello or uh, you know but the, nice to hear from you Thomas as always uh, yeah you know the old adage goes junk in junk out right so um, this is a very very challenging space to be in the data space um, particularly uh, you know, when you're trying to uh, understand the growth signals that companies are emitting. If the, the data that you have is erroneous, if the data that you have is old, uh, we typically use in our AI uh, three buckets of, of, of data, if you want to sort of break it down that way. So that would be industry level, firm level, and uh, geographic-based data. And if there's a, you know, if there's a hole in any of those data sets, um, you know, we do use neural network principles, and, and so y- you can have some missing data points and the AI will, will accommodate for that. But to Thomas's point, um, you know, if, if a lot of your data is old and erroneous, then ultimately what comes out of the platform are, are bad scores that ultimately lead economic development practitioners to make, you know, decisions that maybe are, are not great because the data doesn't really, or the data that was used provided an output um, that is misleading. So there's definitely downfalls. AI is, is not the end all and be all. Um, it, is, it is limited in, in many ways. For example, you might, you might understand that at the firm level, it's very difficult to to procure uh, financials for companies in the private space. It's a bit easier for companies in, in Western Europe. But in North America, mid-market companies that are privately owned is very difficult. So a lot of the data that you're going to find is, is modeled and simulated based on either similar kinds of companies in Western Europe, based on um, results by public companies who are usually much larger. So you need to kind of understand and, and write code that would make you think or you know, give you some level of confidence that a, a smaller company, um, you know, you might be able to just sort of downward uh, proportion uh, the level of employment and sales uh, based on much larger companies. But firm level data is very tough to get your hands on. Um, So, you know, we we use lots of other kinds of data. Obviously, we have data for publicly listed companies, but Thomas, you make a great point. Um, A lot of the data that's out there, um, you know, not necessarily from our competitors, but just a lot of data is old and stale. Uh, A lot of the suppliers of data at the firm level because of, of what I just talked a little bit about earlier, a company's uh, lack of requirement to post their, their financials makes it very difficult to uh, assume what they are. Um, and it, it makes it very difficult to score companies uh, in that way. So um, what we try and do is to use NLP software. Um, whereby we're looking for keywords across thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of companies websites and then backfill data on a, uh, a company that's profiled in our platform based on information that comes straight off of their website. So, you know, you might think that that would be the most accurate information out there because it's posted by the company itself. And there's other crowdsourced platforms as well, such as Crunchbase. However, you know, if you were to go on my website right now, uh, whether that be uh, the ROI or the Gazelle website, you're probably going to find a few people who um, no longer work for the company. We just haven't gotten around to updating the website yet. Uh, you know, we may say we have, you know, 15 people and now we may have 30 people. So the quest for accurate uh, firm level data is ongoing, <laughs> you know, <laughs> particularly because a lot of our, clients want to have contact information, Uh, they want people's names and titles, and um, that kind of information is very difficult to get, and you need to be very creative in how you get it, and what we're focusing on now primarily is moving away from buying it from a number of suppliers to generating it on our own through uh, NLP software and and web scraping techniques.
1: Thank you, Steve. That was super helpful. Did that sort of uh, answer your question, Thomas?
5: Oh yeah, it's it's very valuable. So so, and also going back to my earlier picture, it's uh, it's from when I took the COVID shot here. So there's a public campaign in Alberta to ramp up vaccinations. So, uh, but but going back to what, Steve, what what you talked about, I th- I think that's uh, really great. Uh, just another thought or reflection, um, and and I don't know. If, if your clients have asked you these questions before. But the advantage with AI is that it can go through a massive amount of information in a very short time. So um, it's often we say that AI can help identify patterns that the human eye can't. But I guess from one perspective, you can say, well, it depends on how long they've been staring at the data. So to me, Gazelle, something like Gazelle offers an enormous improvement in labor productivity one person can sift through a massive amount of information with this algorithm and identify some key patterns uh, pretty much instantaneously or not that fast but a lot faster than they could had they gone through the paperwork themselves what what sort of patterns and trends do you see from an economic development stance do you see uh there is a sort of a need for increasing the productivity levels at the economic development uh, uh, unit of operations.
3: Thomas, is that a question for me?
1: Yes. Yes. I. Okay.
3: Yeah. Um, well, you know what we see um, over the past number of years is a decrease in greenfield FDI. I think this is a trend that has been going on for a number of years now, prior to COVID. Since COVID, I think for the first time ever, we've seen a greater number of jobs get created through reshoring activities than we do through Greenfield FDI investment into the US. Um, these are numbers that, that, I, that I, I've seen from the reshoring initiative. Um, I think that we also see a tremendous amount of competition in economic development for these kinds of projects, for, you know cross-border, larger, you know, transformational type initiatives. There's less of them, and as I talked about a bit earlier in, uh, in this discussion, um, you know, smaller rural economic development organizations with a great website and, you know, uh, some savviness as it relates to SEO and SEM can become a player. You know, you, you type in a jurisdiction and, and up comes a website, and if it's a well-positioned and well-built website, you'll get a lot of information that you would need as a corporate real estate executive or a site selector to include this on a list of potential sites. Whereas I think in the past, most of this was funneled through state departments of commerce or or regional alliances. So there's a lot of competition, there's fewer projects. So I think that part of the reason why people are looking to AI and other technology tools is to get first mover advantage and, and try and identify companies or clusters that are in high growth mode and try and ride that wave earlier than anybody else but at the end of the day you know we can't become something that we're not you know we can't pretend to become a hub for biotech or active ingredient processing or semiconductor manufacturing because these are now the industries that you know they're they're strategically important and we're seeing a lot of interest in them since covid But you need some very specific ingredients to be able to house these kinds of investment. So tool or not tool, AI or not AI, it's extremely important for every region to understand who they are, understand what their assets are, how those assets compare to comparator regions, and then go out into the world in a go-to-market strategy, building your addressable market based on that understanding of the kinds of projects that could reasonably locate in your jurisdiction, and then use a tool like AI, uh, like uh, an AI-based tool to help you, um, you know, to overcome some of the challenges that you may have from a human resources perspective that would be needed to identify specific companies in specific regions that could be in growth mode. Um, So I'm not sure I remember what the question is, but that's my answer. That was the most
1: honest way of ending. I have the exact same problem. I totally, but I, I, from, from what I heard, it seems like you pretty much got it. Thomas, was there, was there more to that or did we were we able to address your question? That's all
5: for now. Thank you so much for the opportunity to come up on stage and uh, this is a great conversation. Thank you.
1: Thank, thank you, Thomas, for you participating. Will. Yeah, absolutely, thank you. Uh, so it's twelve fifty-three. i think we have time maybe for another question from the audience if there is harumi would like to join us i'm excited harumi has joined us in many rooms this will be the first time we have her on stage hello
4: hi everyone hello uh, thank you for having me
1: thank you for being
4: i i miss being on a stage actually oh i'm really looking forward to this group so um anyway uh today i thought about sharing with you a very timely story since i just happened to meet uh with um with a, a tech person uh yesterday um just found out the recently that uh we've been purchasing this software product that generates uh like a scorecard that this automated performance the performing areas in a local area and you know provides like recommend generates the recommendations for the small businesses and uh, we embedded this software in our city's website but came to realize that there is only like handful of business owners that utilize this technology and um, you know, I just feel like small businesses, I'm sorry, I'm talking about the small businesses uh, in general. Um, they're very diverse, and as an ec- economic developer, we often find ourselves in the position where we have to beat the success of these small businesses, um, and I just definitely have to come up with, like, a better way to promote uh, the. the the technology and the services that we offer to the to the local areas. so i just thought about sharing this story to you all thank you so much and this is harumi
1: thank you harumi for that share that was wonderful um i think you know what we, we're we probably going to sum it up soon so maybe i can throw it over to, to dan really quick to to include some final comments there
0: yeah and before we summarize steven i i really liked how you um Spoke about communities, regardless of their size, or maybe the smaller ones, <clears throat> you know, being um, diligent in their, their website and their positioning and their keyword searches and their SEO. Um, what, uh, because we have uh, groups from all sizes, oh, we don't have to get in, into budget specific in, unless you want to, but what would be one of the smaller size communities, whether you could share the name of the community or just the population? that has engaged in, in AI? I think it might just bring a bit of perspective so people can you know, think about you know, what's possible.
3: Um, well, I don't know that I really can share you know, who our individual subscribers are. Uh, what I can happily share with you is that we, we do have users at, at all sizes um, and at all different levels of, of government. So we have folks at the state level, at the federal level, uh, at the county level and even, you know, in the city and, and, and small rural sort of community level. Um, so it's not always really the, the, the size uh, of, the, of the community. It really uh, depends largely to how that community is funded and do they have buy-in at the board level and is there alignment amongst county, regional and state level organizations for that particular community to be proactive in their business development efforts, a lot of times the smaller communities are aligned with a, a regional group who really, you know, uh, take a leadership position in marketing for investment attraction and lead generation. But we do have a handful, you know, some very small communities, uh, you know, thirty thousand people, twenty thousand people. But again, it's not necessarily always the size of the community, but you know, where they're located, what's their proximity to a, a key urban center? Um, is, is there a pool of, of you know, of talent? Are they, are they close to an institution of higher education? What are they trying to become? But I, I really do believe that m- more importantly than the size of the, the, uh, the region or, or the client by population, really has more to do with preparedness of that EDO to embark on an investment attraction and lead generation effort and typically to really be prepared. You probably should have done a target industry analysis. You probably should have done an asset audit. You probably should have done a benchmarking assessment. Um, You need to have alignment from all levels of government, from your local stakeholders, from your board. So these things cost a lot more money and time and effort than buying a data subscription or a a technology subscription. So typically by the time somebody gets to us, we ask a lot of these questions. Do you have alignment? Have you done all the prep work? Do you have a way to nurture leads? Do you have staff committed to business development? And if, you know, if, if the organization is more aspirational and and hasn't really lined up a lot of these ducks in in advance of reaching out to us, you know, very often we'll suggest that they, they do those things. Before spending money with us to be more successful, so again i I like to look more at, at preparedness uh you know vision, and um, I think that's a better indicator of a community's ability to be successful with a tool like ours or, or any other technology tool that's you know meant for investment attraction and lead generation
0: that's uh that's great, Stephen, so I don't know that we're quite wrapping it up yet, but as a male economic developer, I'm glad to hear that size does not matter. Um, <laughs> but it's it's, it, it's what you have and what you do with it and your preparedness. So, very insightful. You're killing me, guys. <laughs> very I, insightful. I would Steve.
5: say, it, Laura. <laughs> he, he took it. It was good. <laughs> That's
0: I'm dead and I'm, I probably should be done speaking. Okay.
1: thank you Dan that was great thank you Steve for that insight as well Uh, and I want to open it to the floor Ebony and Wendy if you have any questions uh, for Steve on the topic today technology and economic development AI and economic development I think um, Steve I want to thank you so much I think we've got amazing amazing insights today Um, Laura did you want to add anything to the conversation as well before we
2: no but again I'd like to thank Steve and Dan and Bob for Again, I think this was a really interesting conversation. I'm sad that we couldn't ping more people into the room today, but I, I know I learned a lot, and so I hope that others who participated did as well. And just a reminder that every day this week at noon, we have fantastic content, so you won't want to miss. Tomorrow, we're going to talk main streets and downtowns. On Thursday, we have Chris Lloyd, who's a site selector, who's going to come and talk about what do site selectors really look for when placing a project in a community? And then Jeff Finkel, the head of the International Economic Development Council is gonna join us at 3 p.m. Eastern time on Friday. So awesome Economic Development Week content. Don't miss it.
1: Thank you, Laura. Thank you very much. So that is 12 o'clock Eastern week, except for Friday when we have a special event on, at 3 p.m. So that's awesome. Uh, Steve, again, uh, I've thanked you, Lars. <laughs> thanked you. I want to thank Laura and Dan as well for being here. For Steve, for giving your time and such amazing knowledge. It's super helpful for economics.
3: It's my pleasure, Bob, and and uh, really, you know, the the thanks is is for me to offer to you and. And Dan and Lara for inviting me to, to speak in, in your room and, and, and to your audience. It's really been my pleasure. And, um, you know, if, if ever anybody has any questions that maybe they didn't think of over the course of the session, please feel free to reach out to me. I'd, I'd be happy to answer. And uh, I'll definitely be tuning in to the rest of your content for Economic Development Week and looking forward to it.
1: Thank you, Steve. Thank you so much. Well, thanks, everyone, for being here. And uh, enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you all tomorrow, 12 Eastern.